This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I'm glad you're here today. If you're a guest, I welcome you. I believe God will touch your heart today. If you're a regular, I'm glad to see you here today too. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hands up? Our ushers would gladly get the Word of God in your hand and then go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. We'll begin in Hebrews chapter 10. And so we'll get to, to Jonah later on here this morning. We're going to make our way through parts of the Bible, though, to help you again. Uh, maybe you've had a, a day, a week, a month, maybe a year where it seems like life's hitting you hard. Life's biting you. You know, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, he said, fight the good fight of faith. And so it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But I, I believe this, that every one of us, our obedience and our discipline will determine how these things are going to play out in our life. And so we begin here this morning in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore do not cast away your confidence. Why? Which has great reward. Now again, he wouldn't have told us this if this wasn't possible. Verse 36. For you have need of endurance, perseverance, and steadfastness, the, the capacity to, to bear up under difficult circumstances. Here's a good definition of that. To actively resist weariness and defeat. So again, he tells me right there, man, I'm going to have to run this race with endurance. Now, when I begin to look at that and all the definitions of endurance, When's the last time you started your day and asked God, Father, God, grace me today with endurance. I believe we can do that, and we probably should really begin to do that. So he said, for you have need of endurance so that after, not before, but after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry or delay. Now the just, the righteous shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, anyone cuts and runs, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back. We're not those who turn away to perdition, to our own destruction. But of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So it's like here there's an encouragement, an exhortation to everyone. Of us. Man, you're going to have to keep on. Don't quit. Just keep on, keep on wholehearted for the long haul. Now, as I begin to think about these terms that he, he uh, talked about, some of the people in the Bible that begin to stand out to me was people we've talked about for the last 10 weeks, a guy named Joshua. But today I want to dive in a little bit more to a man named Caleb. And so to give you a brief little summary of Caleb's life, he was, he was a slave in Egypt. He saw the plagues that took place in Egypt. He saw when God brought them out and how the Red Sea split. He saw how God fed them with manna and how God directed them with a cloud. Now, if we go back in time, he was one of the original 12 spies that went into the promised land to scout it out. But remember, him and Joshua were the only two that said, We're well able. Truth isn't measured in numbers. And truth isn't measured by majority, okay? 
Just because 10 said we can't do it didn't make it right, okay? But he witnessed that. He was one of the two that later on went into Jericho. I believe he was probably the one that spoke to Rahab the harlot and said, Listen, girl, you've got to get under that scarlet cord. But this was a guy who had spent 40 plus years in the wilderness. Now you talk about somebody that lived with endurance. So we're going to learn a little bit about how he lived and what it can mean to us. So go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, and then Deuteronomy chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I'm going to quote another uh, passage of Scripture from the New Testament. Hebrews 6.12 says, Through faith and patience they inherit the promise. Through faith and patience. Now let me ask you something. You, would you be willing to wait the majority of your life for a promise of God? Man, that's what this guy did. So we begin here in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 34. And the Lord heard the sound of your words. The Lord listened to what they were saying. You know what it really means there? He heard their complaining and their grumbling and their belly aching. And he was angry and he took an oath saying, Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give to your fathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to him and his children I am giving the land on which he walked because, now here's the because factor, because he wholly or fully followed the Lord. So when you begin to look at this guy, he didn't compromise. He didn't become wishy or washy. He didn't waver. He persevered and he ran the race. He stood firm on the very promises that God had promised him. He didn't try to negotiate with God he knew that people either obey or they disobey. They live in faith or they live in doubt and unbelief. But too many that were with him, they wanted to cut corners. They wanted to what I call crawdad. And what crawdad means, they gave themselves an out. And so what that looks like to human beings is this. I want the promises of God. I want to go to the promised land. I want all the blessings of God. But I don't want to do what he asked me to do. I want to disobey. But this guy right here, he said, you know what? I'm in for the long haul. I'm, I'm going to trust him. Now turn to your right and you're going to come into the book of Joshua. Go to Joshua 14. And so we see there what God promised him. And he said, my boy Caleb's going to go in there. Now here's a question as you're going to Joshua 14. Would you honor a promise of 45 years? The reason I ask that question is because God did. And I believe God still does. 
that when you find out the things that God says to you, man, that's God's heart. And so in saying that, I believe this is a certain thing that, that really caused Caleb to keep fighting and run the race. He lived on that thought, God promised this. Now we begin here in, in chapter 14 and verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, now I just want you to see something there, that Caleb was of the tribe of Judah. Remember that Israel is made up of the 12 tribes. Our Lord and Savior Jesus, it says this about him, that he was of the lion of the tribe of Judah. So the same bloodline that Jesus came out of is the same bloodline that Caleb came out of. And when I find out about people that came out of the bloodline of, of, of Judah, their DNA had all over it. Man, I'm a warrior. I'm a fighter. And I believe that was part of, of Caleb's DNA. And so it says that he came out of the tribe of Judah. He was the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzazite. And he said to him, he said to Joshua, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Now what he promised or he said to him was what we just read in Deuteronomy 1 verse 36. And so he looks at his old buddy. Caleb, and he said, you remember what the Lord said to us. Now, Proverbs 18 says, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 17, 17, and the message says, a good friend will go through all types of weather with you. Now, can you imagine what these two had seen in all those years? And so he goes before his old buddy, his old buddy Joshua, and he says, with great honor and great loyalty, remember what God promised me and you 45 years ago? Verse 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Gadez Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Now remember, when, when Joshua and Caleb came back from the promised land, they were the two that said, we're well able, we can do it. God's got our back, we can do it. But the other ten are the ones that said, we can't do it. Now he said right there, you knew my heart, I learned to live from my heart. And I haven't changed. I haven't gone back of any of that. And so in this time right here, he's at the age of 85. And he said to Joshua, give me what God promised. Verse number 8. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of all the people melt. The courage of the people failed but I wholly followed the Lord my God. I completely followed the Lord my God. Now listen to his DNA. And I want to highlight that there because you're going to see this morning that's at least the second time that phrase has been said. I wholly, I fully followed the Lord my God. I never gave up. Now if we read into this, 45 years he had been in that stinking wilderness. 
And even in the wilderness, he kept serving God. Verse number 9. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be the inheritance, and your children forever here to give, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while I, all Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. Now, if you'll note in verse number 10, he says twice the Lord. He knew it was the Lord that preserved him. He knew it was the Lord he had, he had trusted, but he kept following. Verse 11. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. This guy's 85 years old. And he said, I hadn't lost anything. God's, he's preserved me. My faith in God has not lacked. It hadn't decreased in any way. I still believe God, and I still trust God. And so at 85, he'd never forgot what God promised. You have need of endurance. This is him. Verse 12. Now watch some of these, these uh, words in this passage. Now therefore, give me this mountain. Now the mountain he was talking about was one of the highest elevations area in the promised land. And he said, give me this mountain. So for him to go in there, he was going to have to go up this mountain. Now get this, guys. He didn't have a helicopter. He, didn't, he couldn't call Uber. This is a guy who was going to have to trudge up that mountain at 85. Now let me help your thinking just a little bit with this. It's one thing for me and you to get some cardio, whether you're running, riding a bike, walking, right here in Lubbock, Texas. But if I was to take you about three or four hours away to Rio Dosa, and you got up there and run in that altitude, you would be huffing and puffing real quick. Now think about it. This guy's 85. And he said, the mountain doesn't move me a bit. Keep reading. Of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. Now these guys of Anakim, they were the most fearsome and tenacious warriors of all of Canaan. These were the, the baddest of, of the Canaanites right here. And so this guy at 85, he says, not only am I going to go up in the mountain. I want the Mike Tysons of Canaan. I want the toughest they got. 85. Keep going with me. And that the cities were great and fortified. Now listen to how he says he's going to do it. But it may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord has said. So he's got two keys here. He knew number one, the Lord was going to have to help him. And number two, 
he stood on what God had promised 45 years ago. Now when I look at this, this was without any hint of reservation. He didn't rationalize. He didn't give his opinions. He looked to God and he stood on what God promised him. And he said this, I'm just as committed now as I was 45 years ago. I'm all in. Verse 13. And Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day. Now watch this. Because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. I really believe they want me and you to marinate in that. When people wholly follow the word of God, I'm going to tell you right now, God shows up. And God begins to move. And if there was a movie that was going to be written about Caleb, it wouldn't be mission impossible. It would be mission possible because in Matthew 19 it says all things are possible with God. And so this was a guy who never, never, never gave up. And not only did he not give up, this was his legacy. This would be how he remembered. I don't know about you, but I would love to be remembered that way. That that dude fully, he fully trusted God. Man, those kids would go to school and they would start telling stories about their grandpa. And his little grandchildren would say, that ain't nothing. My grandpa climbed that mountain. When the Canaanites, when the giants showed up, he beat the tar out of them. I mean, again, this was the inheritance that was given. Now, here's what I want you to see here. This was a man who walked and lived for 45 years among people who had compromised. People that actually ended up serving counterfeit gods. And when I look at this right here, this is what I want you to see. Oftentimes, the reason you don't go into the promised land that God has for you, it can be because the people you're allowing to touch, attach themselves to you. Look back, same chapter. Look at verse 8, and I want you to read this. Nevertheless, my brethren, fellow believers who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So literally, you know what this is saying right here? The reason he didn't get to go into the promised land like he desired was because the people that were with him. And so there may be days in your life where you have this thought. I'm being punished, but it wasn't my fault. And so are there people that are attached to your life to this day that are keeping you from getting into your promised land? Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Now i got some passages that are going to back this up. And I'm going to tell you, it'll help you. It'll, it'll teach us about biblical things right here. So even in his life, I, I wonder, go with me to Galatians 5, I wonder how many times he'd look and say, yeah, Father God, I believe you, I trusted you. 
but yet I'm being punished for their lack of faith. Now watch the wordings here in Galatians 5. We begin in verse number 7. You ran well. You ran the race of life well. You ran in such a way that you could attain the prize. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? If you got your pen out and you got your Bible open, why don't you circle the word who? Who hindered you or interfered or stopped you from obeying the truth? Now notice what the Apostle Paul said right there. He said, who? He didn't say what. He said, who? So immediately he's warning us right there that the who's of our life oftentimes keep us from doing the do's. Woo. Verse 8. This persuasion or this detour does not come from him, from Father God who calls you. So if we look at this, what he was talking about right here is there's only one gospel. If anyone preaches anything other than you and other than the word of God to you, don't listen, okay? Because he uses the word who deters you or detours you from getting into the thing that God calls you. And so if I listen to people that aren't going by the word of God, he'll goof you up. Verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So if we break that down, it takes just a little bit of yeast to impact the whole loaf of bread. Just a little bit of sin to impact the whole bunch. Just ask Caleb. Better stated this way. One bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. So this is what he's getting over to. And if I go back to verse 7, he said, who? So the people that I allow into my life, they begin to influence my life. And just one bad influencer can mess me up. Woo. Now go with me back into the Old Testament to the book of Joshua. Not to Joshua, to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. And you may say, Pastor, where's Jonah? Well, he's tucked in there between Obadiah and Micah. Little bitty books, okay? Jonah chapter 1 is where we're going to be. So here's the question as you're turning there. And I'm going to give you a little bit of time to get there. In times of your life when everything seems to really be rocking and reeling, the storms are brewing, all hell has broke loose in your life. Could the issue be the people you've allowed to attach themselves to you? Now I say that because in this passage here with Jonah, it's going to prove this out, okay? So we begin. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Mittitae, saying, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So, 
The wickedness in this city had gotten so bad that it got God's attention. And he says to his his agent, his earthly agent, again, I want you to remember this. God works through human beings on this earth. So he says to Jonah, he said, listen, buddy, I need you to go to Nineveh and cry out against it. In other words, tell them the truth and, and they'll come to a place of repentance if you'll do that. So remember, he says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Now, I want to throw something in here. Right here, you see the heart of God. It had been very easy for God just to wipe them out, but God said, no, I want to give them another opportunity. God's mercy is long. And this is what he's showing him. So we go to verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Now, now wait a minute. Didn't God tell him to go to Nineveh? Yeah. But it says now he's going to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, if you were to really to break verse 3 down, twice in there it says Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord. Can I give you a little insight here? You don't want to hang out with people that are running from the presence of the Lord. Now let me ask you something. There's two types of people on this earth. Just two. Not three, two. People that are running toward the presence of the Lord or people that are running away from the presence of the Lord. Now let me ask you something this morning. Which one would best describe you? See, it's a question that I have to ask myself. And some people will say, well, I'm neutral in this. No, neutral wasn't a choice. So we see this guy that's running from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now think about this. Your sin and your disobedience can cause everybody on the ship to sink. Just a little leaven can leaven the whole lump. Verse 5. Then the mariners, the sailors, they were afraid. Now these guys were better known as Phoenicians. The Phoenicians didn't serve the God of Abraham and Isaac. They, they had a bunch of gods. They had gods for everything. They had God for their marriage. They had God for their home. They had God for their children. And so this gives you an idea of who these mariners were. And it says, they were very afraid. And every man cried out to his God. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down in the lowest parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. So on top of the deck, all hell's breaking loose. But below the ship, oh Jonah, he's going to take a little siesta. So you know what this shows me right here? It didn't affect his conscience one bit. 
You know why it didn't affect his conscience one bit? Because he was that selfish. The only person's life that he even thought about was me. And this was the state. He could care less what happened to the rest of them. Now, if you look at that, these ungodly sailors, when life started getting rough and all hell broke loose, they prayed. You know what this shows me? When people say, I don't believe in God. Well, everybody believes in God when, when the world gets tough. And so that's what starts happening to them. They said, you know, when the going gets tough, we all better start praying. Some of you weren't around when 9-11 took place in America. But I remember those three, four, five weeks after that, churches just soared. Church attendance, some was up 100%. Everybody was praying. Everybody was freaked out. Didn't last long, though. Verse 6. So the captain came to Jonah and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Now, if you go back to verse 5, they prayed to their God. If you look at verse 5, it was little g. When you get to verse 6, and this captain says to Jonah, pray, he says, pray to God. Look at God there, it's capital G. Pray to the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. That's an interesting statement because this guy had lived on the ocean. He was a sailor, but it was so bad, he says, I don't want to die. We're on the verge of dying. We're going to perish if you don't pray. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. Now, I don't recommend you cast lots, okay? It's based on a superstition. A pagan divination is what that's based on. And the reason I say I don't recommend that, because in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. God will lead us by our spirits. So what was casting lots about? Well, it would be like taking a bunch of dice and throwing dice. It would be like drawing straws. It would be almost like playing spin the bottle. So they spun a bottle, and that bottle spun, and it stopped on Ojonah. And so they realized, that's our boy. Now this time it worked, and the only reason it worked is because God intervened. Into verse number 7. So it says, so they cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. Then they said to Jonah, please tell us for whose cause this trouble is upon us. You want to see something really good? For whose cause is this trouble come upon us? Remember Galatians 5, verse 7, the apostle Paul said, Who's causing to hinder you? Who's the cause of you hindering you? Again, they knew the problem they were in was a result of whom? Of, of Jonah. So they said, For whose cause is this trouble come upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from and what is your country and of what people are you? So Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven. Not very much. Who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and they said to Jonah, 
Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now again, you don't want to run in this life with people who are running from the Lord. Not good. Verse 11. Then they said to Jonah, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. It's really beginning to rock now. So Jonah said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Two things in that verse. Number one, Jonah understands he's the problem. And number two, Jonah knows completely what the cure is. Jonah says, if you want peace in your life, then take me by my, my belt strap and grab me and sling me off that boat and you'll have some peace. Now it's interesting that he knew that. He specifically said, the only way you're going to have peace is you got to get me out of the boat. Now he says this, now watch what happens here in verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more and more temptuous against them. Jonah tells them the cure, and what do they do? They do just the opposite. Row, row, row your boat. Row, boys, row, row, row. Now what you see this right here with what they tried to do? You cannot reap success or peace out of disobedience. I don't care who you are. And so in this situation right here, when they begin to row their boat, I have the thought, why didn't they throw him over? Here's another thought for you in all that. If Jonah knew he was the problem and Jonah knew he was the cure, why didn't he volunteer to go up on the end of the boat and just jump in on his own? Again, it shows me his selfishness, but the other side of that, was he trying to guilt their conscience? So let me ask you that. Is there people that try to guilt your conscience? When you know they're supposed to be out of the boat, but you keep letting them stay in, so to a degree, you become an enabler. And because you become an enabler, you're going to go down with them. Oh, Pastor, that hurt. Let me just say this. It'll take courage to throw Jonah off the boat. May not be easy, but you better understand this. You want peace in your life? Hostile lasagna, Jonah. I love you. Keep reading before we get real ornery. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord. I got to highlight that right there. We pray, O Lord. And the reason I highlight that was because I caught this in the New Living the other day. It said, They cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. 
Those old ungodly Phoenician sailors, they recognized Jonah's God was the God. So they cried out. Listen to what they said to him. They said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Don't let us die because of this man's sin, nor charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. You know what they're saying? Lord, don't hold us responsible for Jonah's disobedience. Don't hold us responsible for Jonah's stupidity. Verse number 15. So they picked old Jonah up and they threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. I want you to see something there. The only way they experienced peace was they had to get Jonah out of the boat. Here's a question for you. Who's rocking your boat? Again, if they influence you to live a life of sin, don't flirt with sin. It's not good. Now, God has always had the ability to take what was meant for evil, and he turns it to good. So they throw Jonah over. Now, get this. These guys are on the verge of thinking they're going to die. Their boat is rocking. The waves are coming. We're, We're fixing to die. We're fixing to die. And so they throw him overboard and they see everything. The minute he splashes, it ceases. Now, I don't know about you. This is going to be one in the heavens. We've got to watch the rerun. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be better than all of Gilligan's reruns, I promise you. It's going to be a good one. Now, I want you to know what it causes these sailors to do. Verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they took vows. You know what it says basically here? They prayed, and they worshiped, and they turned to God. They turned to Jonah's God. They saw what took place, and they turned to Jonah's God. Now, that would have never happened. These guys would have never turned to God Unless they would have thrown him overboard. So as long as we allow the Jonas to stay in our boat, are we keeping them from turning to the things of God? Possibly. But the story doesn't end. Now, I'm going to have to paraphrase it for time's sake. So they throw old Jonah overboard. Jonah's going to the bottom of the ocean. Dun, 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 dun. The whale gets him. I don't know how many times in my life I've had people say, Pastor, do you really believe that story about that whale? I do. There's no doubt in my mind that happened. And so this whale comes and gets him. You know what that is? That's the love of God. That's the mercy of God. God didn't just let him go down to the bottom and become shark food. God went after him. So he gets him in the belly of the well where there's no TV, there's no cell phones. He's got a crown of seaweed around his head. He smelleth like 10-day-old tuna. So guess what God's got? God's got his undivided attention. And so it took Jonah going all the way to the bottom before God could get his undivided attention 
But Jonah ultimately repents and comes back to God. Now think about this. It would have never happened if they wouldn't have thrown him overboard. So you see the double blessing on that. Again, what happens in our lives? This was the love of God. And so what I see here, over and over, God had given Jonah the opportunity to repent and come back, but he chose not to. So what happens in this thing called life as human beings? Every one of us in this room, we learn one of two ways. You either learn by repenting and turn to God, that's wisdom, or you learn the hard way. And if you turn and repent, God will welcome you back and receive you. But if you don't, you might as well understand this, your life is on this direction too. That's how much God loves you. I can tell you this, as a, as a young man, most of my learning was the hard way. When I was in school, when you screwed up in the classroom, they didn't put you in time out. They marched you to a guy called the principal. And he would say, Mr. Swan, put your hands on that desk and bend over. And he would light you up three times. And you would go back to class and you would sit down and your little legs were shaking and all your buddies were looking at you and you were fighting, crying. And you know what he would do? It would straighten me up for about three weeks. And for some reason, I'd go back in there and the principal looked and he'd say, did you really do that? And I'd say, yes, sir. And he goes, put your hands back up there. The problem with that learning mentality is when you start getting older, the consequences are a lot worse. And so when you do stupid stuff when you turn 18, they never send you to timeout, or the police officer arresting you doesn't say, bend over, I'm going to give you some SWATs. There were days in my life that I would have much rather had SWATs. And so we learn one of two ways. So let me ask you this today. Who's rocking your boat? When I see there in Joshua 1 where the Lord said to Joshua, He said, listen buddy, you're going to have to be strong and good courage. It'll take courage to get the Jonas out of your life. But what a blessing. So could it be just this day, the reason your boat is rocking because you got some Jonas in there. I'm going to throw another curveball at you. What if you're the Jonah? Are you man enough or woman enough to say, Well, God, I want to come home. I want to repent and come home. I want to get my heart right today. I, I don't want to cause pain to other people. And let me tell you this right now. Every one of us in here have the ability to cause pain to other people because of our choices I've caused pain. That's why in the prayer of Jabez, Jabez said this. He said, bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. Your hand is upon me, keep me from evil, and Lord, that I cause no pain. I don't know about you, man. At, at the age of where I'm at, I don't want to cause pain. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.